are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the UK. I'm Mike Sullivan, I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today I'm your host. My name is Michael Sullivan and I'm your host for today. Welcome to the latest episode of the Evolution Exchange UK podcast. Hopefully everyone is listening, having a good week and looking forward to hearing the podcast today. Today I'm joined by an excellent panel to discuss tech diversity, the future of diversity and inclusion in tech. It's a pleasure being on such an extraordinary panel. I'm sure we'll have um, certainly some interesting conversations and one that is very important in the current climate. Um, before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work around our room with some int- introductions. I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and most importantly, what you're passionate about. And let's start with you, Anika. Hello, um, nice to be here. Um, I'm Anika Clark. I am an engineering manager at iTech Media. Um, we have a range of digital products that enable people to make smart choices online. So we mainly work in the gambling industry, um, though we're now expanding into other sectors like healthcare and finance. Uh, we have a global workforce, um, people all over the place, uh, US, Spain, uh, Bali, <laughs> Canada, um, but our main office is in London. Uh, so in a previous life, um, I was a developer, I did that for about seven years, um, and then I made the switch to management about four years ago. Day to day, I manage about eight engineers across two teams, um, and that's within a group of around 20 engineers in the product. Uh, and we're looking to double that in the coming years. Um, the wider company, it's kind of growing pretty rapidly. So when I joined about 10 months ago, we're at 250 people, and then we're on boardings that we're like 20 people every month, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, and I'm really passionate about people-led solutions from the ground up. I really think that the best ideas come from those doing the work day in, day out. Um, outside of work, I'm attempting, really, really just attempting to be some kind of musician. So I'm learning the bass and singing really badly so I can just cool. play it being a rock doll. Great stuff. And over to you, Andy Pete. Hello everyone, um, I'm the Head of Engineering Transformation for Solutions Technology, um, one of the business units uh, between S&P Global. Um, I support teams across multiple geographies and time zones. Um, in total, I think my my department is around 600 plus people, um, which are spread across US, UK, um, and India, some of them in Asia. Um, and uh, Majorly, my experience has been in uh, building up uh, technical solutions across investment banking domain, majorly into the finance uh, side of it. Outside work, um, my main hobby is reading books um, and a little bit of boring more into, you know, um, leadership uh, behaviors and all that kind of stuff, uh, because that kind of helps me to manage uh, my show. And what I'm really, really passionate about is one line which really resonates with me. At times I find it difficult, and that's the reason why uh, diversity and inclusion becomes a lot more important and that's creating win-win situations. So um, again, the two main mantras um, are, uh, uh, as I said, uh, creating a win-win situation and uh, turning threats into opportunities. So that's about me. That's over to you, over to you Fiona. Uh, hi, I'm Fiona Selick. Um, I'm an 
the managing director at Rare Group. We are a research business that's driven by proprietary technology, and we help other businesses make uh, insightful decisions. Um, my background is a little bit different to the rest of the panel. I come from a marketing background and um, in the last decade of my career have moved into uh, marketing tech products and launching tech products um, from everything from bringing products over from the US and launching them for from nothing to building them up to a, a, you know, a substantial business uh, to starting products from the ground up and understanding the customer and the user base and you know, conceiving what that product might look like. Uh, outside of work, I am a mother of two small children, um, who one of which is napping and hopefully will continue to nap throughout the podcast. And the other one is <laughs> watching uh, Disney Plus. So Disney Plus is, is my lifesaver right now. So I'm hoping that they won't star in this podcast as well. But we shall see. I'm also learning to play the ukulele badly. So Annika, you and I could form a bad yes. band. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I don't mean bad as in good. I mean bad as in bad. Bad band. <laughs> yeah. Bad. And that's me. Well, I can I can probably join you 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 two then. Um, so uh, I I'm learning to play the piano. So we can make a little Brilliant. little bad band. Yeah. Uh, what what do you what do you play? And uh, the As I said, not really. I'll try my hands on singing. <laughs> Great. We got it. We'll give you a chance. Scare everyone off. <laughs> so I should introduce myself. I'm Ryan Michael. Yeah, now, now we've raised the band. Let's, uh, let's go with you, Marco. Okay, yeah. So I'm Marco. I'm the head of engineering for Bridgeview. Uh, so Bridgeview is helping students to find the best fit universities for them. So we are all over the world. We have schools in, in lots of schools in India, in China, uh, UK, all over Europe. And then we help these uh, students in those schools to find the best match university for them. Um, the, I started in this role about uh, a year and a half ago. Uh, before that, I, I was around traveling around the world in Australia, in Vietnam as well, working in different management positions. And before that, I was a software engineer uh, for about 10 years in, in finance. And before that, I was uh, studying mathematics. So I have uh, kind of uh, always been into, into numbers and, and programming in, in a certain way in my life, but started to make the transition into dealing more with people in the latter part of my career, which is, uh, I say that computers usually are easy uh, compared to people. So making computers do stuff is, is, is the easy part of the job. Uh, now actually uh, convincing people to, to play along uh, nicely with each other is, is actually the, the difficult part of the job. Um, outside of work, I, as I said, I, I like to play the piano a little bit, um, not well at all. And I like reading um, novels and like uh, fantasy, science fiction, and, uh, and uh, I like to read about psychology and linguistics as well. So it's something that will be interesting quite a lot. That's, well, yeah, thanks, thanks for the introductions there, guys. And it really is a pleasure 
not to be on this podcast with you. Completely different backgrounds, each and every one, um, which is perfect for this podcast, um, as we're all here to speak about tech diversity, the future of diversity and inclusion in, in tech. Um, we've actually got a couple of subtopics and questions we'd like to cover. Um, and we'd like to start with your question, Annika. Yeah, awesome. Um, so I wanted to ask you all, uh, do you have any examples of when diversity has made a key difference in the success of an initiative or project? Um, and how have we all actively encouraged those behaviours to continue in the organisation? Perfect. Annie Pree, would you like to kick things off? Go first. Diversity, I mean, although diversity is a very wide topic, um, but I'll just take one element of it specifically for people who are from the tech background. I don't know how your experiences have been, but diversity in the, in terms of numbers and having you know female employees specifically at some senior levels in the tech side of the world, I've seen um, the numbers way low. You know, it's very difficult to get that kind of a perfect balance um, with the decades of experience I have, whether whatever organizations I've been a part of, I've always seen these numbers very few. And, you know, we've always had those focused initiatives to get those numbers up. Um, now, I still remember uh, when we were running ahead of the game, uh, specifically in India, now I'm talking about Feb 2020, wherein we could actually see the signs of COVID pandemic and increased work from home. Uh, what I could gather was that most of the teams around me, um, they were not that fully equipped. So we took an initiative to pioneer, um, you know, the uh, initiative of completely going and working from home because the numbers in India were like in, in billions. We've got a large population here. I'm sure you all are aware of, right? So what happened was we uh, started creating a kind of a environment and operating model. And most of them were asked to, you know, Come Monday, everybody was supposed to do a dry run test run. That what happens if the entire workforce, um, you know, starts working from home? Now, in India specifically, in this organization, um, the timings are like 12 p.m. to 9 p.m. Right, um, and the expectation somehow was that everybody is, you know going to be up and running at 12 um, and they're going to be straight on work up till 9 p.m. as was the behavior. But then when but then the things change, you know, when when you are at home and specifically we had, um, you know, the female population, which was um, a little low in number, but we could see some kind of reservations coming that, you know, we have to have a work life balance. Now we are at home with no support so we have to manage i don't know whether you're aware or not but in india you've got joint families so there's a wide amount of you know um um uh, responsibilities as well which you have and plus during those days we were having those difficulties because in india people do have helps um, which had stopped coming in then you know uh, people were not getting them in because um, there was a risk of infection so at that time um, having uh, female employees in the uh, decision making panel um, that helped us a lot because probably you know we we got a specific um, element from them which had it been you know just all the male um, employees probably we would not have got that kind um, of an impression so i think that that is just one example uh, but yes i mean i 
I think I can go in for tons, but I'll let you guys add in more. And over to you, Fiona. Yeah, that's a great example. Thank you so much for that. That's that was really interesting and gave me some horrible flashbacks to when I was working from home during the pandemic and trying to manage children as well. Um, shivers. Um, so um, I do have a quite, a quite, that was quite a macro example. I have quite a, a micro and very specific example of um, how uh, having a diverse team has, has really impacted the success of a project. Um, we were launching, um, the last business that I worked for was a theatre ticketing app um, and we were launching a um, ambassadors programme to help entice uh, the younger generation, so Gen Zs, um, to use the app. And um, this was quite early on in our product launch. So we didn't have very big budgets. Um, so we had to think about, you know, smart ways of, of, of getting reach. And um, so we launched this ambassadors program and wanted to recruit six very young and interesting and diverse um, people to talk about the app and to talk about theater and to talk about their interests and the way that they view it now. Uh, because it's it's very much an industry that's viewed as old and stale and you know things that middle-aged people go to <laughs> as opposed to young trendy you know 18 to 24 year olds um myself and uh our creative director who lives in the states um is american black american um, we're working on the project and how do we, you know, market this to someone? How do we put our product forward and, and connect those people and create a level of authenticity around our product offering to their lifestyle? Um, and Kerry, the creative director, came up with this brilliant idea of, um, of how to present ourselves and present our product to make it really palatable to that um, background and I think that the uh, that that audience sorry and I think that it was due to his background because you know a lot of popular culture now is driven by American black culture um, whether that's um, in a very overt way or a subversive way um, and I think that if we didn't have his insight that product launch wouldn't have been as successful as it was uh, quite frankly, it wouldn't have been anywhere near as successful as it was. Um, so if it was just, you know, me, a 30 something millennial um, who, you know, maybe isn't quite so interested in pop culture, um, trying to convince these young people to to pick up our product and to use it and not just use it, but endorse it uh, across their social channels. Um, I don't think it, it would have been a very authentic process, um, but because Kerry was there and because he 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 is a leader in pop culture, um, you know he's worked with the likes of Jay Z and Beyonce and um, is now working with Netflix, um, creating these really interesting uh, cultural black cultural um, insights uh, into artists uh, because we had his input that connected with our audience and it made a huge success you know made the made the project a huge success thanks Fiona it's a really interesting example and 
Over to you, Marco. Yeah, I just wanted to, to um, what you just said, Fiona, is actually quite interesting because we, we have kind of the same challenge really, uh, here, Bridgeview, because our target audience, audience well, our customers are primarily students, like 14, 16, 17 year olds. And sometimes I do feel that we, we don't have the, the know-how, we don't really know exactly what makes this, this kids tick. And you, you present them with this web application with uh, icons and you know menus and they have to click on. That's not how their brains work anymore, right? So I just wonder sometimes whether we, we need to have this kind of fresh, fresh blood, fresh thinking to, to help us to think exactly how the students think. So that's a very good insight. Um, but in terms of our, um, my example is, is not going to be going into ethnic diversity or gender diversity, as you, as you two said previously, but more in terms of uh, cognitive diversity. So that's something that we, is very important when, uh, and, uh, well, last year we did quite a very strong hiring. And one of the things that was uh, looking out for is exactly for this. So whenever you're looking for a good team, it's uh, very easy to try to to uh, fall into the temptation of hiring people who think exactly like you. And you have to make a very deliberate effort to uh, look for people who think differently, even if that makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, so there is this uh, spectrum between like a, a autistic and dyslexic, right? So the autistic being very uh, focused and narrow can really pay attention to things, sometimes maybe a bit risk averse and the dyslexic one being more open, creative, and kind of uh, paying attention to everything. And, uh, <clears throat> and you need to, you need all sorts of people in that. And I think um, I'm very fortunate in, in our team, we do have, uh, well, people in, in all sorts of ranges that can be quite difficult to manage because then you have these people that sometimes don't even understand each other, it can cause conflict. But I think if it is well managed, is one of the reasons why we, 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 we end up making the progress that we make because we have then these people who are creating this different, uh, uh, pulling the, the product in different directions and, and uh, contributing to the conversation in a way that then ends up creating something that is uh, more useful. Um, so yeah, so that will be my, my example for that. So not much in terms of actual uh, ethnic or gender diversity, more, more in terms of the actually diversity of the ways that people think and bring that into the team. Yeah, it's really, really interesting to be fair, Michael. We uh, uh, we did an assessment of all the managers here at Evolution and they came up in different personality types. And Matt Fleet-Jones, the director of contracts, he's uh, dyslexic and um, He's completely different to everyone else, but mm. the way he runs his team is completely different. But probably a bit more creative, doing podcasts and stuff like this. So yeah. it's uh, it's different. It's about to doing some training with them now. Um, seven habits of highly effective people through Matt. So uh, yeah, it's just an insight into maybe how he, his mind thinks. The more people you have on the team with different personalities, the more you can get opportunities for learning from each other as well, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, he's big on that definitely. Um, and yeah, how about you, Renika? Do you have any examples of when diversity has made a key difference in the success of initiative or projects in your team or organisation? Yeah, so it's really interesting to talk about um, neurodiversity, Marco. 
because I was going to bring it up a bit later. Um, and uh, for me, myself, I, I am ADHD. Um, so, you know, I have unique struggles and uh, that is kind of amazing that the business can support that. So recently we've set up a neurodiversity network at ITEC um, and we've had not not surprising amount of people join. Um, but like more than I thought would join, you know? So it's been really good just to chat about the challenges we all face and they're very different and often conflicting challenges. And like, so how to communicate to the business and managers as well about how to support those um, with those differences. It's, it's amazing. Um, so I really recommend like setting something like that up for yourselves. It's, it's so good. That's such a great idea. Cause I think that this is, you know, when you look at the tech industry, you're definitely looking at a, a wide pool of neurodiversity mm. and our founder is dyslexic as well. Um, just giving a shout out to all the dyslexic folks. And he's just, he's so creative. Um, you know, he is a visionary. He is the person who just kind of walks in, has an idea and takes, takes something, turns a product into five different products um, before anybody else has thought about it. And you mm. kind of, you're, you're just standing there in awe. And then he hands it to me and goes, okay, Fee, how does it work? <laughs> and that's my job. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll find a way to implement this into our business. I, I got <laughs> the same kind of people in my team as well. It's exactly like this. And it's great, right? Because yeah. you, you, you have the, the people who are going to be um, like uh, creating the sparks. Yeah. And uh, then the people are going to be fanning the fire. And then there's people going to come up with the fire extinguisher saying, no, no, yeah, too much, yeah, too yeah. much. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> and we have three business directors in our business. So um, Ben, our founder, myself, and our tech director, Gawain. And um, we're each of those people. So mm -hmm. it's that, you know, Ben is definitely the spark. He's the visionary. He's the guy who goes, right, how does, how does this work? And his dyslexia definitely helps with that because he's so creative. Um, and going the guy with the fire extinguisher going that doesn't work from a tech perspective <laughs> you know <laughs> and i'm the person in between going okay let's let's figure it out between me. um yeah. so yeah i think neurodiversity is very very underserved and under reported and underlooked and people are scared still to come forward and say oh i'm dyslexic or you know mm -hmm. i have um uh, autism or i'm on some you know the spectrum or whatever uh, because they think they're going to be judged. Um, whereas, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm recruiting, I always go, brilliant, okay, tell me more. How does that help you in your job? How does that make you look at things differently to the way that I would look at something? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I love that you asked that. Um, like, we're, when we talk to candidates, um, we always say, you know, if you need something adjusted or if you want something different um, in terms of the interview process, then let's talk and we can sort that out for you. And it's amazing when people are so open in interviews because you can really connect with that person and be like, hey, you know, um, we have lots of people that are dyslexic or um, who have autism um, and, you know, this is how we support them. So it's, it's, a real, it's a real benefit when you are hiring people. It's amazing. I think on the other side, I um, kind of um, have different kind of challenges because whenever I'm addressing um, some leaders within my organization who are responsible for um, ensuring that these behaviors, you know, are welcomed. Many times I've seen that when you are conducting an interview process, you know, you at times come across a panel which, you know, who, who are very passionate and they'd like to talk more. So you have to 
kind of take a pause and tell them that you know interviews all about listening. <laughs> so make um, um, you know to, to Anika's point. So make you know you tell them how to make the interview process a bit more softer, congenial, and you know um, empowering or um, uh, basically letting the other person speak because it's all about learning their perspective, right? I think that's uh, one of probably problems which are the challenges you know we're in um this this one thing which i think marco you said that uh, you know people always um go for people who are like them right as the phrase say that you like to be with people who are like you but then how do you undo you know that it has kind to of be a liberal, liberal effort right you have to force yourself to do that exactly yeah. right and plus with my experience because i work with multiple time zones starting from asia india you know and then um, UK and US, I see this uh, a lot um, because people from different regions. Um, this this big problem in India. Let me put that perspective. So in in um, the language people speak in the northern side of India and the southern side of India, they're very different, right? And you do come up and create some processes so that people don't run up to their native language. It's just that you know they feel a little more comfortable, and then you tell them that you know our base language is English, which is the language national language of India, so you have to, you know, not use your native language. So these kind of behaviors, I mean, it sometimes get interesting. That's really interesting. Sorry, Annika, go for sorry. it. I was, that, that was so interesting <laughs> okay. about the language. Yeah, and and you didn't, I honestly wouldn't know that, you know, right, our base language is English <laughs> in India. Uh, that, that's amazing, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, because we work on such a global product um, and our team work, speaks something like like 20 plus languages. Um, so we've always really got someone to ask when we think about tone of voice. Um, so when you're launching a page in like a new location, uh, I think, you know, phrasing can vary like so much across mm. even like the same language. So if you think about Spanish, there's key differences about how you speak Spanish in Spain um, versus Mexico. So, you know, having those people on the team can really help us like increase people's trust in us which is actually super important for us because uh affiliate marketing that's the entry in um want to help them make feel catered for um yeah. and that you know that leads to better profit so that's, that's how diversity really helps in that regard well, well absolutely a phenomenal question and answers it was nearly a podcast in one question to be fair Anika, so thank, <laughs> thank you for that no um and yeah so I understand you've been itching to ask your question and you preach so so please go ahead my question is do you think covid pandemic has accelerated the desire to achieve diversity and inclusion even more than ever this is such a great question um again i'm just thinking about trying to work with my children in the background and i think it's made obviously such a huge difference from working from home and being able to work from home. Now, most businesses are remote or they offer flexi working or they say, you know, do you want to work from home or do you want to work in the office? And they give choices now. Whereas, um, especially looking at it from a female perspective um, who, you know, I have two children, I have a husband, I'm, you know, lucky enough to have a partner in that, in that process um, who takes uh, equal amount of the, of the weight of, of, of managing our kids and looking after our kids and caring for our children and growing, you know, bringing them up into hopefully well-rounded adults, fingers crossed. Um, 
and I think that everybody being given an insight into people's lives and being get, kind of having a mirror held up to the reality of them being a human being and not just being the this person who does this job in an organization um, and knowing that they have other commitments in their lives that are as equally important if not more important um, and that they're there to do this because they have a, an aspiration for this uh, so for, for me an aspiration for my children to have more than I had as most parents do um, and you know them walking in in the background while you're having an important business meeting and, and with absolutely no understanding of what's going on and saying you know mummy can I have another snack or mummy do you know where uh, monster bear is or mummy do you you know can you open this for me and then just walking off again <laughs> mid while you're mid pitch um, there is nothing you could do about it because mm. you know the, your partner is uh, you know, equally doing the same thing and it just was your turn to be interrupted um, so I think that's definitely changed the world uh, immeasurably and for the better in my from my perspective I feel like I'm less judged as a leader because I have I work from you know I don't work full-time I work um, four days a week and so when I say I don't work on Fridays anymore I used to, I didn't used to say it. I didn't, I never told my clients that I didn't work on Fridays. They, as far as they were concerned, I worked full time. Whereas now I will happily say, you know, I don't work on Fridays. I'm at home with my children. Um, speaking of which one is just walking in now. <laughs> this is the exact example. It's the napping one or the Disney Plus one? <laughs> this is the Disney BBC Plus one. News moment. She's, yeah, it's definitely, she, she's coming to get her, um, the saddle to her toy horse so, I apologize. Um, so yeah that's that's you know Great I'm comfortable time. with her doing that whereas two years ago I would have just been mortified it would have been a, a BBC news moment where my husband mm. would call in underneath and like try to grab her and we would all been cringing and and nobody would know how to deal with it socially whereas now we all just giggle and laugh and we accept that it's part of it's, life it's it's even amazing that that what is news at one point right so now they yeah. say yeah so what <laughs> that happens to me like every day yeah exactly yeah. of course it does yeah I think a um, lot I think a lot depends now uh, with the expectations, like Fiona, you said a very important point that, you know, at least, you know, people are not expecting and they're a little more human. What mm -hmm. I think pandemic has done has, um, has done is that managed that, you know, expectations, right? I wouldn't say 100%, but at least I'm glad, in, at least in this organization, people realize. And to your point, yes, earlier when I used to do work from home and, you know, kids walking around in the camera, uh, many a times, you know, there used to be pause, um, an unnoticed pause that, okay, you know, maybe we can let the children go get out of the camera as if they walked out of the room. No, but people are a little more considerate. Um, but yes, having said that, I do have, you know, some, you know, uh, I would say single uh, digit percentage wherein people are still expecting um, that if it is, you know, an um, at least in India, like I say, 12 to 9, uh, which means that um, it's pandemic, it's locked down. Um, he's not gone out anywhere. I'm sure he's at home. Why isn't he joining the meeting? <laughs> that kind of, uh, you know, those initial uh, uh, strides have already been overcome. But I think people have got more, uh, um, I would say, um, you know, uh, concentrate, um, 
you know, uh, towards the parents and all that kind of stuff. So I think that way that new normal has been accepted worldwide. So I think that's something good. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, it's helped diversity. I think it's, it, it's, it's definitely helped gender diversity, that's for sure. Um, because it, I, it, I know lots and lots of parents who have said to me, this is so much better for my life-work balance. My wife is, you know, if, and it generally is, it isn't always, and it is changing. I've got lots of friends where, you know, it's the male, it's the daddy who, who takes up most of the, the childcare, but on a whole is generally still the mum. And so they now can work from home more, they can um, work harder, they can further their career, um, and they can be more honest about what they're trying to juggle. And so people are, are, are you know, are kind of, <laughs> quite frankly, more impressed by <laughs> the, their juggling skills. Um, the question that I would really, uh, the part of this question that I'm still struggling with is the inclusion part. I don't know if it's helped inclusion. And the reason being is that I'm now getting uh, a lot of people going, oh, we might go back to the office or we fancy meeting up or which is great. But if, if like our business and maybe you guys have had this in, in your business, we've really enjoyed being a, um, a remote or flexi business. And so we have we have hired people outside of our London office who can work for us. Uh, I mean, we always had people outside of it anyway, but really key roles now where they don't live anywhere near London. And so now we're struggling with this. How do we include them in those conversations that are happening around the water cooler? Um, inverted commas um, when they're not in the room. How, how do we how do we approach that and I know uh, Michael you guys did a podcast about this a couple of weeks ago and my husband actually played a part in it you know how do you manage remote teams and I think we're learning as an industry but I don't think we've we've still got a long way to go I don't think we're there yet so it'd be interesting to hear, hear how you guys are dealing with inclusion in that manner yeah regarding uh and the priest's question so because you ask specifically whether you think that the pandemic has, has accelerated the desire to achieve diversity. And I don't think so. I don't think it has accelerated the desire, but just like, um, like Fiona was saying, it has accelerated our ability to have diversity um, because now you're having, you know, it makes it easier to, to have people from all over the world, from all over the country. Um, and, um, and, it, and you also, then uh, well, basically opens up the, the, it's not just people from London who are gonna be going to an office in London, gonna be working for you. I have, a, I have a, a, one of engineers works between Liverpool and Manchester somewhere. I live in Lincoln. Uh, you have another one who lives in the beach in, in Hove. So you got people all over the UK and even people all over uh, in Spain, in Poland. So you basically open up more. Although that was happening even before the pandemic, to be honest, but you know, for many companies, this has been uh, an, an enabler. And also, as Fiona said about the fact that it's 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 better for families really when you're being able to work from home because you can be closer to your kids. So then it's more inclusive to to female candidates who might be wanting to uh, work from home and take care of her kids at the same time. 
we have one engineer, one of our star engineers. Um, she's she's a mom of two kids, and she works part time. And uh, and without being able to work remotely, this was not going to be possible. Uh, it was just the time that she would take to commute to the office already takes away so much of her time, right? Um, in terms of inclusion, though, um, the as you said, you know, family commitments and uh, as we talked about before, some people might have some uh, issues with social anxiety. Working remotely helps with that, in my opinion, because uh, you don't Absolutely. really have to go and sit and face with people. So that it makes it easier. If you if you don't want to switch on your camera, don't switch on your camera. That's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, people with mo mobility disabilities as well, it makes their life easier as well, right? So you don't have to make the effort to go and commute to the office. Um, but I think that it does put greater stress in the need for HR teams, for people teams, to understand the individual needs, because I think that remote working might also, there's the hidden danger there, that if we don't really pay deliberate attention to that, people who might have certain needs that we're not paying attention to, because you know, there are people not going to the office, you're not really having sometimes those conversations. And not everyone will speak. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to do a more deliberate discovery that to understand what are their needs to be able to make them, make them feel, you know, productive. That's the, that's the job of the manager and the HR team, I suppose. So My true. question was primarily, you know, what I really felt. And to your point, Marco, that exactly was the reason which kind of, you know, uh, um, encouraged me you know, about this question because the more the diversity, um, we are in an era, specifically our generation. You know, for us, the world has become very small. It's all about getting on your laptop, switching on your camera, and there you are, talking to somebody else in a different part of the world who comes all together from a different culture, who has different kind of, you know, ways of living, family values, and all that kind of stuff, right? So that's probably the reason that the more... Um, diversity you have, and specifically in, on, at those level C levels, where you know people are really involved while they are they are forming policies. I think probably that's the uh, uh, that's the culture. Probably you know we we need that we when when we are able to accumulate all sides of the global world. I think that's when you come up with a win-win situation. That's exactly where I started my podcast from. You know creating mm -hmm. a win-win situation where everybody um, you know is humanly treated and they are happy i mean each one of us i can actually bet upon the fact that regardless of the roles we play whatever we are trying to do is to create a win-win situation and to create a, a happy working culture which is not a stress you know yeah. um, so i think that's the reason why this becomes a lot more important specifically with the changing world and the changing era Mm. super interesting um i think you know itech you know we've got completely remote team members um we've got people based in the uk we've got people in poland um the us and spain austria mexico um i think it's really flexible and I, I love that they've committed to that on like an ongoing basis mm. um even past the pandemic you know um, so some people come to the office, you know, once a week, sometimes once a year, um, sometimes never. And that's totally fine. Um, I think it's helped us grow definitely considerably and people can work from wherever they want to work. 
Um, but I think, yeah, to your point, Marco, about HR teams and the legal complexity that come as a result of that, mm. like we've given people this policy of um, being able to work abroad for 40 days a year. Um, and that was after, you know, months of working out the, the legal restrictions and the tax laws and all of this stuff. So it's really, really interesting. Um, and there's always yeah. going to be edge cases where people can't take advantage of that. So it's a shame, right, that the, the, the laws of the nations have, haven't caught up, caught up yet with mm. the reality. I think it's changing yeah. very, very slowly. I hope so, yeah. Good stuff. Great, great question. And again, great answers there. And yeah, it was a pleasure to have your husband, Andy, from Cantan <laughs> on our debut podcast, to be honest. So shout out to Andy if you're listening or, or if you will. Um, and, and back to you, Anyapreet, do you think the COVID pandemic has, has accelerated the, the desire to achieve diversity and inclusion. I think I've already said enough. <laughs> I've been <laughs> yeah, nothing more. I, did, I didn't want to say, but yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, I understand you've got the next question then, Fiona. Yeah, um, I'm interested to know that your thoughts on um, how equality um, plays a role in this. So with equality and diversity obviously being intrinsically lin linked, um, how do you guys ensure equality within the workplace to form the foundations of diversity? Yeah, I, I, I have I had a, a bit of a struggle with this question because I, I don't, depends what you mean by equality. Maybe you can clarify that a little bit more. Um, equality in, opportunity, equality in pay, equality in um, career um, advancement, yeah. equality in uh, ability to have a voice within the business. Yeah. Pick one. <laughs> no, so I think I all those, all it's hard because it's, it's a very it's a very broad term, just like diversity. Um, yeah. But it's it's something that I personally feel is overlooked when talking about diversity. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So that's that's what I was thinking of. So in, in terms of equality of opportunity, um, is uh, something that definitely needs to aim for. So um, some companies they they do something that I admire very much. So when they're doing uh, hiring, uh, they will be having like blind CVs. So they they anonymize CVs basically, so they can look only really at the at the skills and the experience in that. Um, when we had face-to-face, uh, -face, uh, uh, like uh, in-person uh, interviews, then there's all sorts of biases they can put in there as well. So having remote um, interviews makes it reduce this a little bit, but we still have the video, right? So we still have introducing a little bit of the bias. Um, the, but I think that the. Uh, at the same time that we want to, we need to aim for having equal opportunities for everyone. Um, we um, need to adapt to the individual needs to make sure that nobody is gonna be uh, hindered by anything beyond their control. So, so the, each, um, each individual is gonna be, uh, everybody needs, deserves their, uh, equal opportunities for everything. Actually, this is the, the soul of Bridge U, by the way is one of the missions of the company. We believe that opportunity 
is not equally distributed, but talent is. So we want to make sure that we give everyone the opportunity to be able to um, to uh, to find the best universities for them, based only on about their talents. Um, but at the same time, there are certain uh, aspects of our people's lives that is beyond their control that you do need to help them a little bit more in order to make sure that they are going to be brought up back into an equal level of uh, playing field. Uh, and that's a very, very difficult thing to do, right? Because first of all, you need to have the awareness of what the individual needs are without being too intrusive. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you need to then uh, find out what is the adjustment that you need to make without being condescending. So that is such a complicated thing to do. Um, that's why probably many companies just don't don't think about it. Just ignore it because uh, it's it's just like a like a, a difficult problem to solve. Um, so yeah, that's that's my two cents. I don't really have much more to say about this, to be honest. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, um, Zoom. You know, it's it's. I found it to be like a great equalizer, mm. um, and I think it's allowed a lot of people to have the same kind of volume uh, of voice, which is really interesting. Um, but you know, also everyone fits in the same frame, which can erase some of those differences as well. So you might get less general chats where you find out about things like that, like you normally would at, at lunch. So you kind of have to make a real effort to enable those opportunities to happen. So like scheduling social calls and just mm. making sure we've got room for coffee chats in the week somewhere. Um, yeah, but for me, I guess, yeah, a great equalizer because, you know, some and a lot of neurodiverse folks, they appreciate not being in the office because that open office environment can be super overwhelming right um i'm way less distracted by like people walking past my desk or someone <laughs> like turning on the computer like across the room you can focus way more um but going back to the, the original question um i i agree marco um I, I kind of question that that equality and diversity are linked um because again you know equality is kind of an erasure sometimes that make it makes everyone different and, and valuable. I think equality is legally important, um, but it feels like the kind of the easiest and the first step in that journey to being inclusive. So I, thinking about, you know, the, the policies that we've got at the moment, um, so in equity, which is, you know, giving people more, uh, certain groups of people more um, opportunities um, and to be included. So we've got parental leave, um, and we've got a new policy that's just being released uh, in the next couple of weeks where it's, you know, it's more inclusive of, of all families. So you know, families with two mums or two dads. Um, obviously, we offer more leave to the birthing parent because they've just given birth. Um, but, you know, we're also offering leave for the other parent that's way over the, the minimum UK allowance. So, yeah, I think inclusion is the overall goal. Like, if you're going to offer flexible hours to one group, why not offer it to to everyone so no questions asked so you do have that flexibility and i feel i feel really proud that we can offer that it's, it's super important and for me personally i manage someone who has children and you know she loves having that freedom to just be like yep oh, i'm going off at three see you later i'll come on and do the rest of my work at seven when the kids are put away and doing stuff or distracted by disney plus <laughs> you know <laughs> that's what you want right it's, it's the freedom to be able to choose and um, the trust uh, as well is really important. 
there is there is a concept that I'm very keen on. Um, it's uh, called universal basic income. I don't know if you guys yeah. are familiar with it, which is uh, it's basically the idea that everybody should be receiving uh, like a basic income that is not aligned with a means test of anything. Doesn't matter if you're poor, rich, black, white. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're disabled or single parent. Everybody gets the same. So this is the, will be the greatest equalizer. So it means that then you know you you free up women to be able to be moms if they want to, or take a job if they want to. Uh, a disabled person to be able to live their life without having to beg the government for some handoff, handoff, handoff. So um, he. And I, I think uh, we're not there yet. Uh, I, I wish this is one of the, the hopes that I have for social development in the world that we, we eventually walk to this direction that we have a, like a universal basic income and then people can actually work to increase value, not because they have to, you know, because you, you want to achieve something, you want to do something. I don't know what that would do with the uh, recruitment industry, uh, uh, Michael. So, um, but yeah. I think we lost you, Anuprit. We lost your voice. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. So I said I kind of um, agree more with, um, with with your points. I think um, equality to me is the base or the basic pillar on which diversity and inclusion stand. So I'll, I'll go to that extent, right? Because if equality is not there, according to me, my experience, I would say diversity or inclusion for that matter would be very short lived. Even if you do focused initiatives, you know, in getting your diversity element right, if you don't focus equally on equality, I think you will get into that cycle of a deadlock, right? Um, especially in um, S&P Global, I can speak for that. Um, so our policies are same, you know, maternity leave or maternity leave, they are the same. We don't, again, do any, um, uh, I would say, uh, differences in, in, in that sense, um, whether you are a, a parent, you know, by birth or, um, you know, uh, for that matter, uh, surrogacy or you've adopted someone, we give equal kind of treatment to all sorts of parenting um, plus most of the policies uh, are made as such whether it is gender diversity or for that matter any application which is made by the organization we make sure that it is eda compliant which is disability discrimination act so that you know at least people who are disabled even they can uh, or colorblind you know even they can operate very well on our application so we do care a lot about um, you know, equality as uh, such. So that's the reason why I think that becomes very, very important to us. Fantastic. And yeah, again, great question, Fiona. Some some really interesting answers. Um, yeah, I suppose back to you, Fiona, with, with equality and diversity linked, how do you ensure equality in the workplace to form the foundations of, of greater diversity at, at your business? Yeah, I'm just going to go back to something that Andrew Pritt just said about it being the foundation of diversity. Um, and I, I really believe that because if you can't have a basic 
level of equality within your business, then how do you think you're going to end up with different types of people and give open the door to them? Um, it's interesting, Michael, when you launched, um, when you announced this, this uh, podcast, you announced it on International Women's Day, um, which whether you like it, you know, whether you like the concept of an International Women's Day or not, which personally I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of, but um, it, I don't know if you guys saw in the news, there was a Twitter bot that was created oh, yes. um, and that. scraped the hashtag of International Women's Day of companies who were celebrating the women, again, inverted commas, um, who worked for them. And it instantly fed back their, uh, whether the, the, the women in their, in, their, in their business were underpaid or overpaid mm. um, compared to their male counterparts. And if you scroll through that Twitter feed, it's quite disturbing to see I, I think I scrolled through it for a good five to 10 minutes and found three companies where women were equally paid. Yeah. Um, and hilariously, a lot of them were like councils. I live in Chelmsford in Essex, Chelmsford um, County Council, that uh, the, they actually have an equal, uh, Chelmsford City Council, sorry, actually have, have, a, have a dead equal pay, which is brilliant, yeah. you know, but there weren't, there weren't money, there weren't many, I think it was. I saw Chelmsford. St. John's Ambulance there as well was equal. Yes, St. John's Ambulance yeah. um, and Barnet Council, I think were the three mm. that I found. <laughs> um, and there was, you know, disturbing figures of 30%. And mm. we know that there, this is an issue and it just isn't being addressed. And I don't think it's being addressed um, properly within companies. I don't think it's being addressed properly within recruitment. I don't think it's being addressed um, properly from a governmental perspective e either and the legislation that the government are introducing. And my question, it makes me question, if I'm thinking about being excluded as a female leader because I'm not gonna get paid equally uh, were I to be you know pitted against my my male peers what must that be like if you're a person of color or mm. a you know a person with a disability or a neurodiverse person because they might not have the confidence to question the salaries that, that they're being given because the companies aren't stating this is how much this role is worth and no. this is, you know, that, that we've talked a lot about um, interviewing and the way that we recruit. And I don't have a problem with companies not wanting to advertise a salary. I do have a problem with companies in interviews asking the question, what's your salary expectation? As opposed mm. to this is how much this, this salary is worth. And I had someone um, interview for a role just before I went on maternity leave. And... I had a couple of males interview for it and they all asked for more when I told them the salary role. And I had a female say, oh, my, my, my salary expectation, she, she offered it before I could give her the, the, the figure. My salary expectation is X and it was below the number. And I said, well, that's not what we're paying here. We're paying this. And she literally looked like she was gonna fall off her chair because that, she said to me after we did offer her the role, she was the right candidate, um, nothing to do with her gender, obviously. Um, she, she said to me afterwards, that's never ever happened to me in my whole career, never. 
And yeah. it's what's terrifying is I can count, I would run out of fingers and toes the amount of times that I have been asked to consider my male counterparts within my career and how they would feel if they found out how much I am or if the, how they would feel if they found out that I was being, you know, given something else or, and it's, I would question just how seriously people were taking this still because it doesn't the pay pay gap doesn't seem to be shrinking and if it's that bad for a gender pay pay gap what does it look like for others it's it's actually such a complicated problem now that you're talking about because um yeah we we were talking about remote work right and the possibilities of uh, working with people from different countries and i'm afraid you probably know this very well the difference of pay that you have in different countries is also dramatic Mm. and sometimes it is not really aligned with the fact that of just it's it's cheaper to live in other countries it really is because people's expectations of earning is less in other countries because they're content with less in the west people want to have a house and a car two cars and and a dog and whatever the life that people have in the west whereas people in vietnam they, they they own the floor I mean, literally, just see, people sit around and, and on the floor and uh, and have houses that are very tall and everybody lives together. Um, and it's, it's if when you think about it, it's so much cheaper to hire people from India or from Vietnam or Southeast Asia. Um, and we're okay with that, right? So glad you, you brought that up because that's one battle knowingly or unknowingly I've been fighting. Why? Because... Most of my career has been, you know, in uh, New York or London, uh, working for, as I said, organizations like RBS or even before that, Metal, right? When I was um, sent to India back in RBS days, I was, um, you know, I realized that we are seen as a low cost location. And that's something which I have been really, really fighting for. And I've actually said it, I'm, I'm glad it's not there in this organization that, you know, don't take India as a low cost location because if we if we if we occupy a headcount, then that should be for what we get onto the table, you know, in terms of our more. technical expertise, right? Not just because of the numbers. And that's primarily what I see. And one thing which with both me and my boss, you know, I I love my boss. Uh, um, we've always looked at all the locations from the same lens right and specifically i mean he and me we kind of joined you know almost at the same time this particular team and we agreed that our rules of the game are not going to change you know if it is about promoting people if it is about giving them opportunities no Uh, whatever it takes to become an associate director or a director in london we are going to have same rules in India, right? It's just not because, you know, that's a fair amount of a difference in a pay. Let's promote them and what what not. But I mean, at least in this organization, uh, we've maintained that till now. Yeah, okay. I, that's brilliant to hear because, yeah, when Marco said we're okay with that, right? I'm not okay with it. <laughs> I'm not okay with paying someone less because they live in a different country where their expectations may be lower because and and treating them like a low cost location it's unacceptable i'm not i'm not okay with that i'm not okay with directors of a company getting 
six weeks annual leave and the intern getting four not okay with that that's not what we do it's just it's just not we try and look at everybody as you said through through an equal lens and we pit a stake in the ground and we say this is our stake and what's that going to do to us if, mm. if we're a global company if we're hiring people from you know we've got people who, who work in spain spain seems to be a common theme um, <laughs> among all of us um, <laughs> love spain um we've got people who work in spain we've got people who work all over the uk we've got people who work in eastern europe um freelancers who work for us in eastern europe and if they're working for a british company then they should get treated at the bare minimum the way that we would treat the rest of our british colleagues and you know we all get the same amount of annual leave or every single person from the founder to the intern we all get the same amount of training budget without exception um we you know we try and try and close those gaps and open those opportunities and they're absolutely as you were saying earlier marco there are people who maybe need more help because it's not just about equality it's about equity as well and that's a complicated thing to do um and i think those isolated things that we need to look at uh but you need to start with an equal lens i i love that phrase you know yeah uh, it's a problem that compounds itself over time right you mm. start with a low salary you expect lower things mm. and mm-hmm. by the time you get to like you know your fourth or fifth job you're earning like percentages less than your male counterparts and it just keeps going and i think we have a deep responsibility as managers of people to spot those discrepancies and correct them when we can um, and try to stop it happening wherever we can, be that at the recruitment process um, or promotion and just trying to spot opportunities wherever we can to just readdress that balance and make sure everyone is getting the same for the same role. Perfect guys and uh, yeah definitely note to self our key action for me don't be using the hashtag International Women's Day. <laughs> you can if your company is staying that's, equal, Michael. That's the thing. That's a, that's a whole different podcast, I think. <laughs> um, okay, so last but certainly not least, with your question, Marco. Yeah, uh, I uh, I'm going to ask the question, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to actually stick around to everything because I, I have to jump out uh, in about 15 minutes. But my question is, um, why is diversity important? And what are the current challenges that you face in uh, creating a more uh, diverse and inclusive team? Yeah, so I guess it's been repeatedly shown by study after study that diversity is super important for business. Um, you've got McKinsey study, I think backed up by Credit Suisse a few couple of years later. Um, companies with diverse executive boards generate returns a crazy high on average, depending on, um, and compared to those that, that did, do not have those diverse boards. Um, I think, you know, we talked about there being a pipeline problem. Um, I think women and other diverse groups are not well represented at all at, at senior levels. I think personally at the moment, um, at ITEC, we do have a challenge at the moment where hiring those candidates at senior and above kind of levels is proving very difficult. Um, we've noticed that I think women especially, uh, we're finding they're way more loyal to their current companies, which, you know, makes sense to me because there's it, a lot of risk in, in moving if you're unsure about 
the environment you're going into and the policies that you may be walking into as well. Um, so I think uh, personally, the way I'm trying to combat this is hiring more junior people, um, hiring people from uh, different backgrounds, like different routes into tech, uh, boot camps, very valuable uh, route, amazing route, um, and yeah, provide yeah. them support and training that they you know, wouldn't otherwise have. Uh, and so, the, you know, our business and the industry in general will kind of reap the rewards of having that diverse team in the future. I think in tech industry has always had this challenge, no matter which organization I've worked with, um, again, gender diversity, having more females in your team, right? Um, I'll be very honest here. We've done almost everything, Annika, what you said. Even for that matter, we've had diversity specific hiring drives back to back just to increase, you know, our our diversity across the board. Um, are we still there? No, I think there's a lot, there's a long way to go. But um, yeah, we 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 are going ahead. I mean, what matters to me is, you know, the culture. Um, as I said, for me, diversity and uh, equality, they go hand in hand, right? And it's about getting that culture. It's about setting that mindset in people, you know, that people can be different, they can have different ideas. It's about telling them that people who work with you, regardless of the gender, you know, race, they, they come from, backgrounds they come from, they are genius. Everybody's genius, you know, but if you but if you judge a fish by its by its ability to climb a tree, you know, <laughs> it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid, right? But it's not that everybody gets, you know, some color to the table and we need to start appreciating that, you know, have all sorts of different views in a room um, so that you can, when you when you form a win-win situation, you don't miss any element, you know, you, you kind of come up with um, uh, an equal um, and a more diverse view. You know, I think that's pretty much what I would say. And I think it's about changing the culture mindset. Uh, including people, um, so I think that's about it. Sorry about that. That was our director Matt making his second appearance of the podcast, barging through the door there. <laughs> um, I, this is a really interesting question. I I think some of the comments that you guys have just made are. Uh, we've touched a lot on gender diversity. We touched a lot, you know, and a little bit on on. Um, disability and neurodiversity we've touched a little bit on you know diversity within race um what we haven't touched on at all is is sociology and you know society diversity and and educational diversity and it's really interesting that you know you're doing boot camps and things like that and offering people because uh, i think so many times you know when you put out a, a job spec you go and the first thing you need is a degree because nobody could possibly learn these skills if you don't go to university, uh, which is just quite frankly ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah, you know, yeah, if you're thinking about you're trying to get diversity of of views and you're trying to get diversity of thinking, you're trying to get diversity of cre creativity and how people problem solve. And if you're asking for everyone to come through a certain type of educational funnel, 
then they're not going to be different. They're not going to have yeah. different approaches. If they all went to the same university, they're all going to come out because they've all learned the same thing. They'll become PMs. Yeah, exactly. Regardless, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> regardless, you know, whether they're they're from, you know, a, a, a black, Asian, white, uh, gay, straight, bi background, they've all been taught the same thing in the same way. And so if you don't look at it also from an educational perspective, I think that you're losing out um, and giving people the opportunity to maybe they did leave school at 16 and they went to an apprenticeship and or they started an intern job straight away. And those people will probably know more than some of the people who have a first honours you know, degree um, in different areas. And they will look at things differently because they haven't been restricted by a, a, an educational facade that's been put over them. Um, and I just think that that's something that, that we need to think about as hiring managers and people who, who are bringing people into yeah. organisations and thinking about what is diversity and why is it important. Well, diversity is, is anything that is different from uh, a norm. And what is a norm within your organization? We have a phrase within our business, are they a rare person? Mm -hmm. And we mean that because obviously our business is called the rare group, but we also mean that in terms of, okay, how are they looking at this differently to us? How, what, what, what are they gonna bring to the table? And I was talking to one of our colleagues yesterday, she is, um, uh, considering taking a PhD uh, she's very highly educated and she comes from Liverpool and her she is the only person in her uh, immediate family to have or out of her siblings to have taken that route of of education um, and she was talking about how it sets her apart within her family and she was talking about how she plays a different role within her family because of that and it was really interesting to listen to. And then she said, but the best thing about that is that I had a debate with one of our other colleagues uh, last week when we were pitching for a new client. And he came from it from a completely different educational uh, approach. And we argued it out and we argued it out and we argued it out. And eventually we figured it, you know, how to connect it between the two of us and they won the pitch. Hmm. So, I mean, it's, it just goes to show how important those things are. Mm. And I don't think that someone who didn't come from that sociological background would have had the guts to stand their ground mm. with someone who is, you know, I mean, very open, but more senior, because maybe they haven't had to fight as hard to get to where they are because they haven't had people it isn't a social norm for their family. They haven't had someone showing them the way. They've had to trailblaze it themselves. And so she's continuing to trailblaze. And it was just a really, really interesting insight that I wouldn't have heard if, you know, if we hadn't sat there yesterday and chatted after, after a hard day's work, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I have... Um... Uh, a similar example to this, but maybe in a different different context. So, uh, uh, something that I talk to quite a lot with with my team is about my experience with with names. So, if you go to many webs web forms, uh, it's going to be asking for your first name and your last name. And um, after living many years in Vietnam, I realized that this is such a Western thing. So, 
what, what exactly is a first name and the last name and the middle name that doesn't exist in all cultures. So this culture awareness is something that we are sometimes very much blindsided. Um, and this is one of the things that diversity gives us. Um, it's gonna be able to answer you, answer, answer questions to you that you didn't know even existed. Um, so we might just assume, but that's the way the things are. And then someone's gonna say, well, but what about this student from China? Uh, they're gonna be writing their name uh, in a different way when they register to university, for example, then when they register in the application, uh, then how, how you how you gonna match them up. So it actually gives you a product problem. So it's actually giving you issues in your in the performance of your business because you are not even aware of this, of this cultural difference. And this is just one example, right? How many other things that we don't even know aware of because we don't have the people with the diversity in our teams. So by not having a diverse team, we are actually doing our business damage, basically. Just uh, losing opportunities. It's good to see different, and it's, good to, and it's also good to see what, what people do, you know, in different kind of situations you face in a diverse, um, a diverse group. You know, they say um, um, experience is not what, what happens to a man, it's what a man does with what happens to him, something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh, uh, but yes. Yeah. So I think primarily um, having these varied experiences and the way you handle these situations, I think that really matters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I really sympathize as well with the, what you said, Anika, uh, uh, about the, the boot camp. Uh, we, we did exactly the same thing last year and it was amazing. So you got four fantastic people in there. And I'm definitely going to repeat the experience. Oh, yeah. I think this is the way to go. So many different backgrounds, like, you know, people yeah. coming from physics degrees or people coming through teaching. Yeah, second, second job. Yeah. Pace, like, it's just incredible. And you get so many different types of skills going through. So, mm. you know, with, with someone that comes through teaching, you've got someone that can mentor, like, amazingly. And mm. that's really good for your business. So, yeah, Absolutely. don't sleep on those. Well. Does anyone have anything to add or any final points? No, not really. I think that it was a great conversation, actually. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, this very Loved fun. It. Pleasure meeting you all. Yeah, I think uh, that was by far the most interesting um, and the longest one we've had, had today. Success. Achievement. Well done, well, podcast here, 90 minutes. So, <laughs> no, but re really enjoyable. Absolute pleasure being on with all, all four of you. And um, I'll be looking forward to, to hearing the, the published um, podcast very soon. Um, so, yeah, we'll leave things there. What the key things I took from the conversation, examples of success in diversity, how COVID has impacted diversity, how do you ensure equality in the workplace, and finally, why is diversity important? This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Anika, Anya Pri, Marco, and Fiona um, for providing their insights into the topic. And um, thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to get involved in any of the up and coming coming up podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at michael.sullivan at evolution-contract.co.uk. Thank you very much, guys.